This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, Rabotai, we are continuing our series on understanding the very special times that we are in, that we are being revealed, the Galut Yishmael. So this is our fifth part in the series of Galut Yishmael. What is this exile of Yishmael means? So in previous times we brought the Maral. I don't know if you remember what we said from the Maral in his second explanation of what Galut Yishmael is, is that it's an extension of Paras. It's an extension of Persia. And in the Sefer Daniel, it's a very complicated Sefer, and uh, it's written in Aramaic, and there he discusses the four different uh, exiles, the four different Galuyot, and even though Yishmael is not written explicitly, but if we consider it as part of Malchut Madayu Paras, then it's an extension of Persia. And that we know nowadays also Yishmael is being a proxy of, uh, of, uh, of Paras. But in Sefer Daniel Perek Bet, it discusses this copper statue that there, that there was, and there was the two legs called Parasumadai. The Mitzudat David explains like this, in Perek, Pasuk, Perek Bet, Pasuk Mem Dalet, Ubiyumahan dey malchayo inin yakim elu, Shemaya malchudi almin, lodit chabelu malchutele am achran lodishtabek. And says the Mitzudah David, in the days of these Melachim, they are the kingdoms of Yishmael and Rome of Malchut Yavan, they will, they will, um, they will rule. And at the time when Yishmael spreads, there is going to be some type of combination between the kingdom of Edom and the kingdom of Yishmael. I can't say I understand fully everything that's going on, but I, I, I wanted to share with you the following. In the Medrash Tanchuma, it's written, Bereshit, Siman Aleph. At the end of times, Hashem is going to send to us two Mashiachs. Ashrechem zor'e alkol ma'im, the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Perek Lamed Bet says. Fortunate those are you who are going to sow on all of the water. What is water? Elu oske batora shinim shilu lamayim. And, and the Pasuk continues. Mishalchei regel, regel ashor. I'm going to send you the shore. Who is the shore? Which one of the Shvatim was likened to the shore? Yosef. Bechor shoro hadarlo. I'm going to send you Mashiach ben Yosef. Ze Mashiach ben Yosef. Shenimshal leshor. Bechor shoro hadarlo. The Medrash continues. Vachamor. I'm going to send you Regel Shor Vechamor, and I'm going to send you a, a, a donkey. Who's the Who's Chamor? The Mashiach Ben David. Shenemar Ani Verochev Al Chamor. Mashiach Ben David is going to be riding on a Chamor. Now, what are these two Mashiachs? Why do we need a Mashiach Ben Yosef and Mashiach Ben David? So the Arizal explains that the last Galut is going to be comprised of two kingdoms. The kingdom of Edom and the kingdom of Yishmael. I'm sorry, not kingdom. The Galut of Edom and the Galut of Yishmael. We said last time that 
Ed, Yishmael is not called a kingdom. The, the exile of Edom and the exile of Yishmael. And each one of them has their jobs. And Hashem is going to send each one of the Mashiachim to take care of one and the other. What is, Yos, what is, what is Mashiach ben Yosef going to take care of? Galut Edom. Why? Because Yosef is Sitno Shel Edom. He's Sitno Shel Esav. He is, he is the, 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 the battler of, of Esav. He's coming from Yaakov and he's, he's, he's coming to destroy Esav. So Yosef, which is likened to the shore, the shore is going to battle Esav. And Mashiach ben David, according to this, says the Arizal, is going to battle Yishmael. Because Yishmael is the product of, of, of Hamor. He is uh, he's likened to Chomriyut and uh, could be from the Pasuk Pere Adam. He's going to be the translation of Pere Adam. You look at art scrolls, not me who says it. It's going to be a wild animal, a wild ass, a wild donkey. That's that's the way they, they translate it. In other words, that that's the mitziut that the Torah calls uh, 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 the Chamor. So Meshach Ben is going to be riding on Chamor. Then Meshach Ben David is going to is going to exile us from, is going to take care of Yishmael. As a matter of fact, the Gaon Mivilna explains, the Talmidim of the Gura bring, that there's a Pasuk that says that, You should never um, make a, a combination on one yoke between an ox and a chamor, right? And the, and the donkey. That's, not, that's cruel to do that. But at the end of times, there's going to be this lethal combination of Edom, of the of the of 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 Galuta Edom, which is coming from Asaph, together with Yishmael, and they're going to come together, and that could cause a lot of damage. And each one of them Shiachs has to take care independently of 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 saving us from this tremendous Galut. So you think about it: what is the solution coming to this tremendous Galut? How are we supposed to fight against it? This is what's on all our minds. How do, how do we deal with this? And I wanted to give you uh, 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 a few explanations. First, before that, I wanted to start with the Chofetz Chaim. It's famous Chofetz Chaim that's going around, but I think it's worthy to be said on the parasha of this uh, that we just read when it says, Adam, the Chofetz Chaim said that our Torah is an eternal Torah. When it says a Pere Adam, it says Yishmael, no matter what, is going to remain that mitziut of an animalistic Pere Adam. He could be educated, he could be a doctor, he could be all, uh, he could have a suit, he remains a Pere Adam. It reminds me, there was a story of Rav Yonatan Ebeshitz with a priest. They had a, they had a debate. Whether you could take an animal and train him to be like a human being. I remember I always used to, when I would used to see SeaWorld, there would be the training of these, of these orca whales and are they, 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 they are like human. Un, until, until one time, until one time, uh, they, the orca whale held down a person and killed them as much as they thought that they trained them. So either way, Renas and Abishitz was debating a priest whether an animal can ever overcome his nature. So the priest had his demonstration. Rabbi, you heard of this? The priest had his demonstration and he brought in cats and the cats came out with the, the fancy trays and they were serving people. And the neighbor just sat quietly. He took out a box and a mouse inside. He let out the mouse. And all of a sudden, the mouse is out of the bag. The cat started running. So 
Well, no matter what, they stay that mitziut of an animal. So if the Torah calls Yishmael pere adam, they could prophesize all of their culture and all of their uh, proper uh, uh, proper etiquette. But when it comes to the animalistic nature, it will eventually be revealed when they when they when they are tempted to do that. And says the and says the Chavetz Chaim like this: Even if he's going to be a professor, he's going to be called a professor pere adam. His wild nature is part of his DNA. It's never going to leave him. And that's why it says, He's going to always remain a Pere Adam. And then the Chofetz Chaim sighed after he said this. And he said, Oy, Who knows what this Pere Adam is going to be able and capable of doing to Am Yisrael at the end of times. That's what the Chofetz Chaim said. Scary, scary. But you take a look at it that there's a, a professor in Hebrew University who made a study. How do we combat terrorism? In order to combat terrorism, you understand what are terrorists about? If they're coming from poverty-stricken homes, so let's try to improve their economical uh, situation so that they don't, breed te- they don't breed terrorists. So actually, if you look at terrorism all over, not only by, uh, by, by, by the Palestinians, but ISIS and all terrorists, which most of them are Arabs, then you'll see that they're coming from middle-class homes and sometimes even richer homes. And after all of these studies that he made, he came to the conclusion that the only way that there were, this is a, a professor with independent studies that focused only on this, that the only way they're really going to be able to eradicate terrorists is if they start uprooting the educational system from the beginning. So it'll take 10 years, we'll lose a generation, but we have to start teaching them to love life instead of their animalistic type of mentality that they have of death and whatever else. Otherwise, it's just not going to help. It means, well, how are we going to change their system of education? We're fighting a war that only Hashem could fight for us. That's what we have to understand. There is no logical solution over here. It's, uh, and, and, and I was thinking... If there's no logical solution, we have to combat the 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 Galut Yishmael with the Kalim that Hashem gave us. What are what did Hashem teach us? How we won previous things against Yishmael and how we're supposed to fight. So we have to go into the DNA, how Yishmael was born and why he was given this permission to fight against us. So the number one thing is like this. In, in the parasha we read that Hagar was giving pain to Yish, that Hagar was being, was being, um, uh, afflicted by Sarah, by Sarah, our, 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 our mother, Sarai. And the Ramban writes on that parasha something scary. He says, since Sarai, uh, um, had, had, um, had afflicted Hagar, more than she was supposed to, she had a right to, and that we explained on Friday, the Orachayim explains a whole different debate whether uh, the Hagar belonged to Sarai or she was freed from Sarai and she went to Avram. But Sarai believed that she was her maidservant and she was misbehaving, we'll call it, so she was putting her in her place and she had the full right to. But says the Ramban, since she went a little bit too far, so through, so for the for the future generations, Hagar's children are going to have that right to also inflict pain upon us. Very scary. So 
Why did Sarai do that? What, what was Sarai's mistake? She was allowed to, to be Mitzayar her. It was her maidservant that was acting inappropriately. She had to put her in her place. So the Mephorshim should say yes, but she could have went above the beyond letter of the law. She could have been Lifni Meshura Tadin. So in the Kuntras, called Dodi Dofek from Rabbi Goldberg Shlita, he writes that if somebody wants to combat the influence of Galuti Shmael, what you have to do is also go lifni meshurat adin. When you're not supposed to, uh, when, when you're supposed to, when, when you have the right to hold a grudge and you give in. When you have the right to be a little bit strict and you say, you know what? I'm going to go lifni meshurat adin. I'm not going to do that. And what I was saying also a few weeks ago was that what the Klosenberger Rebbe said is that now is not the time to criticize Am Yisrael. And even if we have justified critiques, now in the war is not a time to do it. It also means this way. We're going lifni mishurat adin. So Eitzah number one that I'm giving is that if a person wants to combat Galut Yishmael, he has to combat it in the ways that we stumbled in. And according to the Mepharshim, we stumbled in because we didn't go beyond the letter of the law with our, with our mother Sarai. So obviously at her level and her great, uh, uh, you know, the, these levels of, of the Motakedoshot, we have to, on our level, we have to go Lifni Mishurat Adin. That's number one. Number two, in order for us to properly fight against B'nai Yishmael, we have to understand what is their Zichut. One of the zikhut, no, the Yishmaelim the, the don't have a lot of zikhuyot. They're very particular zikhuyot. Number one, it says, Yodu bakol, viyad kolbo. His hand is everything and everybody's hand is in him. What does that mean? So Rabbi Brander mentioned that he heard from a Rebbe of his, uh, that, that uh, an unbelievable pshat is that if you think about it, the Goyim, they're always by the Be'er. Uh, the Yishmael, he was found by the Be'er Amayim. And eventually he's going to have the zikhut of the be'er, which is oil. That's why just, you know, Hashem gave them at the end of times this bracha of oil. So they have all the money in the world. So yado bakol, so they give money everywhere so their hand can be in everything. And why does Qatar give $10 billion to universities? Like, did you ever wonder that? Why do they fund so many of the Ivy League colleges? So they can have a tremendous amount of influence there. And they could start dictating, uh, they could dictate their, uh, their, 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 uh, their ideologies. So, yado bakol, but they also need us. Yado kolbo, but they need us because they don't have the innovation, the creativity, the strength. So, they need us as well. So, it's like uh, a relationship that, that is, it's a dual type of relationship that they're always in everything. But what, do, what they do have is they have that zechut of achnasat orchim. I mean, I can tell you personally, if you go to an Arab country, they're going to serve you and they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to be very, very, uh, uh, accepting in their house. Well, outside, they'll kill you. But in their house, they'll, they'll, they'll have that achnasat orachim. And that was the, uh, that was, that, that was one of the zikhuyot that, 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 um, that, that they have that, uh, that, that midah in them as it's written. As, as it's written in, in, in some, in some of the earlier sources. So the way to combat that is that we also have to work on our chesed and, and giving achlasat rochim to Jews. And what amazing achlasat rochim is being done. How many people are going to the south and giving, uh, I have a friend who got 300 pairs of tefillin donated from Los Angeles and he's giving them out to this, all, all different types of, 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 of people and soldiers and, and people that are, that are, that need, that need chizuk, that want to accept upon themselves tefillin. And, and, and 
food. I have another friend who has a food truck that is going from place to place. That he's, he's feeding soldiers and he's he's feeding Am Yisrael people who are displaced. They needed they needed to house people. There are people who gave 150 apartments that they own. Just give it to whoever from the south is displaced. We have a tremendous amount of chenasat that we're doing, and that's a major major kitrug against Yishmael. Hashem sees this says Yishmael, you guys think you're so great. Look what Am Yisrael is doing. In the one thing that you could, that you, that zechut that you have, look what they're doing. That's the second. And the third is Yishmael. Hashem's herd is going to hear our tefillot because like the Pirkei Rebbe says, at the end of times, he's going to make us pray. So we have to pray in unity. We have to pray in unity. How do I know that we have to do it in unity? Because we have to see how was Paras defeated through our unity. So if we want to defeat Paras and Yishmael who's coming at a proxy of Paras, we have to go in unity. And we're also doing a great job on that. So we have to keep on strengthening ourselves in, in, in going above beyond the letter of the law and in Anachlasat Orchim and in unity and in Tefillah, then we're for sure we are going to be victorious. Amen, Kenyan You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.